Microsoft is the OG of the network effect in the last 50 years. The term network effect refers to any situation in which the value of a product, service, or platform depends on the number of buyers, sellers, or users who leverage it. Typically, the greater the number of buyers, sellers, or users, the greater the network effect and the greater the value created by the offering. In other words, the willingness to pay for a buyer increases as the number of buyers or sellers for the business grows. That's from Harvard Business School professor Bharat Anand defining network effect. Some examples of the network effect. In e-commerce, you've got eBay, Etsy, Amazon, Alibaba. For ticket exchange, you've got StubHub, Ticketmaster, SeatGeek. For ride-sharing, Uber and Lyft. For delivery, Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats. For social media, of course, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, Pinterest. Network effects are powerful for all of these companies. That's why they are so successful. What they have in common is that the value they provide to customers increases as they scale and acquire more users. Add Slack. Add Slack to that list big time. Arguably, the most obvious way in which Microsoft leveraged success through direct network effects is due to the very nature of software and the need for compatibility. Everyone has to have the same software for it to work. I don't need PowerPoint or Word, but I still pay $70 a year to use those on my Mac. Because those 20th century hangover programs are still so commonly used with some of my clients. Or when I'm speaking, it's oftentimes easier to bring a PowerPoint. But I'm not bringing PowerPoints anymore. A, I haven't spoken in public in quite a while. And B, I'm done with slides. Tyrone Ross doesn't use slides. I'm done with slides. I'm going to just own my narrative. No prompts. But anyway, back to Microsoft. You can get everything done with truly superior cloud-based free programs, but Microsoft is still one of the most lucrative recurring revenue companies on the planet, and its stock is one of the top six because of these programs that were really important in the 90s and are still important because so many people have PCs and Microsoft Office is the go-to operating system in many industries. Have you ever noticed that a lot of podcast hosts will say, please rate and review, and they don't give you specific instructions. Do you know the conversion rate on that kind of prompt (laughs) when there's not an easy place for them to go do it? Do you know that when you try to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, it's actually not that intuitive and you have to scroll all the way to the bottom of that podcast page? The navigation in Apple Podcasts is garbage anyway, but that's where the reviews are actually the most important when it comes to podcasting because it is still the dominant platform, unless you count YouTube, but that's kind of a different story. Anyway, guys, I would love it if you could rate and review my show, and I actually make it easy for you. Go to emilybinder.com slash briefing. There are buttons that say click here to leave a review on Amazon, on the Alexa skill, or on Apple Podcasts. Emilybinder.com slash briefing. That's what you should do on your show, too, if you actually want people to follow through. 